Let me just uh, pray to begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can share together and Lord, I just pray that the things that I have to share would be uh, of you. I pray, Lord, that you might speak into our midst today. May our hearts be soft, may they be open to hearing what you have to share with us. I pray that we might be encouraged this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. titled um, what I was having to say, The God of the Veranda. This actually is a saying that comes out of a book called Life is Messy, Hope in Dark Places by a guy called Mike Potter. And um, I'll talk more, I guess, about the parable of the lost son um, in a moment. Um, But also, I guess, wanted to this morning take an opportunity, um, maybe if you just move along a couple of slides to talk about my dad, about being a dad, and about our heavenly dad. Um, If I start with my dad, so there's a photo just in a couple of slides. There we go. That's my dad. Um, He's been a really big influence on me in in many ways. Um, The Christian heritage that was passed on through his side of the family uh, has been significant. And uh, it's really all I've known since growing up was being at church, being taught the scriptures, being taught Bible stories. Uh, It was just a natural way of life. He was and really still is a teacher and a pastor. He spent many years as a minister of a small Presbyterian church uh, through my early teens and into my 20s. I actually, I really loved that time Um, and Dad's church truly felt like home. It was where I felt I belonged. It was just so natural just to to rock up, have my dad up the front preaching and it was just what I really enjoyed. I enjoyed hearing him up the front leading the congregation, uh, to see him greeting people in our home and and doing life with them. It was just something that that, uh, struck a real chord with me. And it was really in that church that I had my first experience of actually getting up and preaching. Dad gave me the opportunity, probably uh, when I was in my early 20s, just to get up and share something in church. And uh, really, I think a lot of who I am uh, is because of who he is. Um, And I think I've got a bit of of pastoring and a bit of preaching in me um, because of him. He's taught me a lot. He's disciplined me. He's prayed for me, he's prayed with me, and ultimately he's loved me. Moving on to being a dad. So being a dad is an amazing thing. And this is uh, my crew. So I've got my wife Karen, then Caleb, Bethany, Joel, Rebecca, and then the hairy one, me, at the end. Um, Three out of the four are here this morning, which is lovely. So just my eldest daughter, Rebecca, is not with us this morning, um, which is probably okay because I'm going to say something about her in a moment. So uh, I remember the thrill of becoming a father and then quickly feeling like I had no idea what I was doing. It's this excitement, just like, wow, this is awesome. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what do we do next? Um, but nevertheless, 
I straight away knew that I would do anything that I could to love and care for them. It was just like, oh, this, is, this is our child and uh, I love them to bits. Now, maybe there have been times when I haven't done that as well as I could have. Um, I remember Rebecca coming in from outside. She'd hurt herself, come off the trampoline. She was upset with her brothers. Apparently, they'd thrown some sand on the trampoline and she'd slipped and fallen off. She was, in, she was upset and quite un, unhappy and, you know, her arms were sore. So I, I asked her, can you bend your wrists? Yep, you'll be fine. Um, that, was, that was my test. You'll be fine. Sent her to bed and um, I think she probably slept a bit, but she was still not very happy in the morning. Oh, we, okay, maybe we better take her to the doctor. Uh, and she'd broken both arms. So... Um, <laughs> One of those things I think as a parent, sometimes you just think you'll be okay when it's somebody else's kid. You do probably take that extra little bit of time to, to make sure that there's nothing wrong. Um, there's probably other stories I could mention that um, perhaps show that I haven't always done the best thing by my kids. But being a father's really given me a glimpse of how our Heavenly Father sees us and what it means to be a child of His. I think as, as, a, as a parent and as a dad... As I said, you love your kids heaps and it, and it just gives you a little bit of that understanding of what it means to be a child of God. The love that I have for my kids is somewhat comparable to that of our Father in Heaven, yet God's love is so much more. Because life is so messy, because I'm human, because I sin and I fall short time and time again, I don't always get the loving bit right. There'd be times when my kids would definitely say, gee, there's not much love in Dad at the moment. Um, we get grumpy sometimes. You know, who would have thought that? Um, but God's love is unlimited. It's unconditional. It's eternal. I think, just to stop and think about that for a moment, that... His love is, is more than we can imagine. Ephesians three seventeen and 18. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, I think long's this way, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. We can't even measure it. It's that great. And on top of this, we need to know that we are his beloved child, chosen before the foundation of the world. That truth that we're a beloved child of his exceeds any earthly titles or positions. So whatever position we might hold on earth, whether that's a really important title or whatever it might be, that's nothing compared to being God's chosen one, his child. That's the number one title for you and me. We're his beloved child. It should minimise the pain of the insults and the failures of your life. Sometimes we can think about those things that we've stuffed up or we can think about those things where we've been hurt but let's not forget who we are and whose we are. It should fill you with faith 
an assurance that you do have an eternal purpose. During every trial, during every dark day, let the Holy Spirit whisper the Father's voice in your heart that you are my beloved child. I think the next slide on there is just a picture, I guess, of just a, of a dad whispering in, in the ear of a child. So the next slide there just... And how, how lovely it is when someone comes to you and whispers something special in your ear. And particularly as a child, when your parent does that, I want to just tell you that little special thing, how much it means. And just to know that we've got God whispering that into our hearts. You're mine, you're my beloved child. I don't know about you, but I need to know that truth each day. I need to know that. I need to live it each day. And sometimes I don't live that way. Sometimes I'm living in a very different way where it's all about me and, and, and woe is me at times as opposed to, wow, blessed am I. Being a father here on earth is challenging. I know I've made my many mistakes and haven't been able to express how much I love my own children as well as I would have wanted to. I think we, we often tell our kids we, we love them, but at times I don't think we, we express that enough or do it very well. But I do still know, even as they get older, that I'd do anything that I could for them. I'm sure that we all, as parents, feel that way. Whatever I could do. You know, if you need more, you know, if there's something that I could give you that you don't have, what is it that I can do? To move on to our heavenly dad and to think more about the parable of the lost son. Just to reflect back at the start of that story where it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with, his, with the pods and the pig, that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. The young one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. We read about this young man who wanted to break away from his father and wanted to go it alone. I know what I want and I don't need what you are giving me anymore. He asks for his inheritance, heads off to this foreign land, squanders his money, makes bad choices and we find him sitting there living with pigs. I'm thinking, what have I done? Where has my life got to that this is where it is? He does soon realise that he would be better off back home, living as a servant in his eyes, that at least if I go back home, life's better there even if I'm not treated as his son anymore. Because I've let Dad down. I've acted dishonourably. And he just realises that what I've done 
no longer really makes me worthy of being called my, my father's son anymore. What a position to be in, that point of realising that you have blown it big time, feeling like there is no way back. What a horrible place to be. The idea of restoration being is, is unthinkable, it's impossible, and quite rightly, it's unreasonable. So you get to that point. But what happens next shows us the true nature and heart of our Heavenly Father and how he actually feels about his children. I love this part where it talks in verse 20 where it says, but while he was still a long way off, he wasn't just around the corner or just rocking up on the doorstep. He was a long way off when we start to read about what the Father does. Has the Father forgotten his son? Has he written him off? Has he moved on? We might. We might think, look, I've just got too much other things to focus on now. I may hear from him down the track, but he's gone. He's, He's made his choice. But no, he was waiting expectantly. He was hoping that one day he would see his son come back home again. In the book, Mike Potter puts it this way. I imagine that each morning and each evening he would go out onto the front veranda and look down the road, hoping against hope that one day he would see his son return. Day after day, week after week, month after month, the father looked to the horizon. You can imagine him being out there on that veranda, looking to the distance. The next bit goes, his father saw him and... I just want to just, I just highlighted that, these couple of things. So, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he knew, he knew it was his son. Even though he was a long way off, he could tell by the way he moved or the, by the way he walked. And I think as a parent, you just know the way your kids move, the way they walk, the way they talk, those sorts of things. And you can imagine he just saw him and he just thought, here he comes. This is the day I've been waiting for. And then see how his father reacted. I think about how I might have reacted or how we humanly might have reacted, you know, by shaking my head, by standing with my hands on the hips, just thinking, right, here he comes. My goodness, you know, what a mess, you know. Knew this day he'd come back again, asking for whatever it is he needs next. You know, just maybe just tapping his foot, whatever it might be. Or maybe waiting for him to get home. Oh, wait till he cleans himself up. He's a mess. You know, go and have a shower. You know, have something to eat. I'm going to let him stew on it for a while. You know, make him feel bad. You know, that sort of idea of he's blown it. I want him to know it. You know, I'm not going to give him, you know, too much time straight away. But no, here he is miles off. He was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. I love that picture of the father running to greet his son. He threw his arms around him. Didn't just sort of, welcome home, son. You know, it was, it was a bear hug. You know, I look at this, there were lots of pictures I looked for. I just thought, you sort of see the, you know, this 
father figure just, you know, his eyes closed. He's just wrapped him up, this bear hug. You can see the son just, you know, he's just, you know, obviously he's realised that, you know, (laughs) I've just got to take this, whatever's coming. But you can sort of see the strength in the father's hands there as well. And he kissed him. All these elements of a loving father, compassionate. He moved towards him, threw his arms around him and he kissed him. What a response from a father to his son. A son that had turned his back on him and decided to go his own way and waste all of what his father had given him as inheritance. What grace, what forgiveness, what love. Focusing on um, on the hug. What would that embrace have felt like for this son who had chosen initially to reject his father? You know, his father holding him tight, so glad to have him home. All the shame, the guilt, the feelings of not being worthy or lovable would have melted away in his father's arms. I don't know whether you're a hugger or not, but how good it is to be hugged by someone who loves you. Nothing needs to be said because the hug says it all. Is this the experience you have with your Heavenly Father? One who longs to hold you in a loving embrace because you know your home is with him. And I, don't, I know we don't necessarily feel that physical embrace from our Heavenly Father, but we can when we know how much he loves us. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he gets to this point where he's, I've got to tell, I've got to tell Dad that I've blown it. I've, got to, I've just got to take whatever's coming next, you know. Even though he's been embraced, he's been, his dad's just so happy to see him home. But then in verse 22, after he said this, his father says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's throw the biggest party we ever have. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I looked up the word feast and here we go. Um, not sure whether that was quite the feast that they, they had, but it, was, it, it wasn't him thinking, okay, well, what, what, what are we going to do? It was, come on, let's quickly get everything sorted. Let's do this as soon as we can. Let's just everybody enjoy having my son home and how much uh, I'm so glad to see him for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found this is how our heavenly father demonstrates his love for his son his child one of his own nothing could ever change that nothing ever changes that for any of us even though we also ignore God we go our own way we tell him we don't need him Maybe not verbally, but often that's the way we act. He's daily waiting for us to turn back to him. He's on the veranda. 
He's looking to the horizon. He's hoping that we'll return home to what is our true home with our loving Heavenly Father. Again, from this book, Mike Potter writes, Just like the son son in the story discovered, we can also do this knowing that our Father, the God of the veranda, will not condemn us. He will not reject us. He will not judge us. He will not treat us as a servant. No, the God of the veranda will run to us even when we're still a long way off. He's been on the veranda all the time looking down the road and when he sees us, his heart rejoices and he starts running. What a glorious response. And then he says, The God of the universe, the maker of the heavens and earth, runs with unbridled joy to reclaim his children. I love that bit, runs with unbridled joy. You couldn't have wiped that smile off the father's face. He's, he would have been quite, you know, sitting on the veranda, you know, you're sort of a little bit despondent thinking, is he home? No, he's not home. Is that him? No, it's not him. But when it was actually him, just to light up, his face would have lit up as he went and ran to see his son. How good is that? Just to reflect, reflect briefly on the older brother, verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Maybe you relate more to the older brother. As someone who's always followed God, never ventured off into a distant country. But as we read here, the older brother's heart is hard. He felt that he'd always done the right thing. Maybe out of duty, rather than because he delighted in living and working with his father. It was just the way it was, and I'd just do it. But what the older brother has overlooked, and sometimes we can too, is that that he had everything that he could possibly need right where he was. Everything that his father had was also his Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And Matthew 7.11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The older brother only needed to ask and his father would have provided anything that he wanted, anything he needed. It can be very easy to think that we've missed out when we see how someone who's wandered off is welcomed back and celebrated when they turn their life around. Verse 32, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's important to celebrate when someone comes back. It's important to celebrate when someone realises that They need to come back to God. But it's also important to remember that as we walk with God, that we have everything we need. We only need to ask him if we feel like we're lacking something. Do you know how much you are loved by God? Have you experienced the loving embrace of your heavenly father? Do you know that you are his beloved child? 1 John 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. What an amazing truth to hold on to and a reminder, I think sometimes, I know I forget, but it's so important to remember that we are children of God and we have all we need in him. As any parent knows, when your children come to you and want something, you do whatever you can and our Heavenly Father wants to do whatever he can for us. When we're in need, go to him, knowing that he loves us more than you can ever imagine. And when you perhaps feel like you've wandered off, come back to him knowing that he will wrap his arms, he'll throw his arms around you, he'll kiss you, he'll welcome you back. He loves you dearly. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Thank you that we are a beloved child of yours. Thank you for this reminder of just how much you do love us. That even though there are times where we get it wrong, times where we blow it, thank you that when we do turn back to you, that you wrap your arms around us, that you love us more than we can ever imagine. Thank you that we have all that we need in you and we just need to come to you to ask. Help us to live as your children. Help us to live in a way that shows others just how much you love us. I just thank you for this reminder this morning that you are our heavenly dad. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.